0: Hey guys, it's Judy. And it's Sana. Welcome back to the Women of Marvel. We're really excited because this week you're going to listen to a podcast where Sana did an interview. I did it all by myself, Oh my God, you were super special and I was off running around doing something else. I don't know what I was doing.
1: I was very happy to do a podcast by myself. I wasn't nervous at all.
0: Why would you be nervous? You're I'm so good kidding. at this.
1: Well, because, you know, it's a lot of attention on you to make sure that you're asking the right questions and that you're chatting and thinking at the same time. It's really hard to do that.
0: It's actually really hard <laughs> to
1: do. It but this was a special interview because uh, we got to chat with Megan Bradner, who's VP of Development at Marvel Television. And I've known Megan for a very long time um, since I guess I've since I've been here. And so it was sort of a, a conversation that was a long time coming because she's been a woman behind the scenes at Marvel that no one really, like, knows about. And she's really incredibly important. She actually works for Jeff Loeb, who is the head of Marvel
0: Television, and has been doing some really awesome work. She's so cool. And seeing her on set, because I I was able to go out to the Inhuman set in Hawaii, and just seeing her on set, interacting with all the different crew, I was like, I want to be like Megan. She's so cool. So
1: if you listen to our um, San Diego Comic-Con featuring the ladies of S.H.I.E.L.D., about two years ago, they give a very special shout out to Megan while they're on stage. Chloe was like, hey, Megan Bradner, who was sitting in the front row of the Women of Marvel panel, because she doesn't get spotlighted enough. And that's really what we wanted to do here is celebrate her work and her experience and talk a little bit about what she's working on right now and some of the highlights of her career so far, because... If you think about it, Marvel television has only really been around for what, like the last five years, six years or so. And we've been able to do some really awesome television shows. Um, and Megan has really been a part of that uh, every step of the way. So it was, it was great to finally sit down and, and also just kind of know more about what happens to make a Marvel television show come to
0: life. Well, I'm super excited. So take it away. You know what's not smart? Job sites that overwhelm you with tons of the wrong resumes. But you know what is smart? ZipRecruiter.com W-O-M. Unlike other job sites, ZipRecruiter doesn't wait for candidates to find you. ZipRecruiter finds them for you. It's powerful matching technology, scans thousands of resumes, identifies people with the right skills, education and experience for your job, and actively invites them to apply. So get qualified candidates fast. No more sorting through the wrong resumes, nor more waiting for the right candidates to apply. It's no wonder that ZipRecruiter is rated number one by employers in the U.S. And right now, listeners can try ZipRecruiter for free at this exclusive web address, ziprecruiter.com W-O-M. That's ziprecruiter.com W-O-M. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire.
1: Megan is joining us all the way from the West Coast. LA. West Coast, LA, Los Angeles, the city of angels. We have an angel in front of
2: us. Ugh. No, LA.
1: <laughs> LA. LA. <laughs> okay, what does Megan Thomas Bradner do every day at Marvel Television?
2: It's changed over the years in terms of when we first started, it was definitely a little more of a startup mentality. Mm-hmm. There weren't as many people as there are now. And it's obviously grown as our amount of shows have grown. But, you know, I've over the years have moved into the development role. I always did a little bit of it, but now it's actually in my title, which I'm sure you're familiar with. Mm-hmm. You sort of do the job before you have it. Oh, absolutely. That's the Marvel way. It's the Marvel way. Um, and so the development side of it, I'm sort of still grandfathered in at S.H.I.E.L.D., which was our first show. And so my first love, and kind of uh, always be attached to that. But uh, I would say the 75% of the rest of my day is devoted to development things, which are basically thinking about what's next, what's coming, what do we want to do, who do we want to do it with, uh, what are the properties that we want to highlight, and you know what are our partners interested in, um, and finding some sort of synchronicity between those two.
1: So what's the difference between what you first started doing and and what you're doing now. What was that what was the first position at Marvel? It was like an assistant position or something like that, right?
2: That position, it was um it was in animation because we didn't have right. live action television. So I'd come over from Disney Channel, Disney XD where I sort of wore many hats and it prepared me for Marvel in the sense that I got to work on a lot of different things. And so when I came over, Jeff was still he was consulting. And he was in New York, so we hadn't actually met him yet. But uh, probably three months later, he came to L.A. And I knew that we were going to do live-action primetime television. And so I basically made my way to him and and said that I wanted to be a part of that. And then we spent the next two years (laughs) in development on things. We worked on a lot of things that didn't see, not a lot, but a few things that didn't see the light of day. And then we found, you know, our magic puzzle piece and Joss and Jed and Marissa and uh, sort of, as Jeff likes to say, cheated to get on television. You know, we got Joss coming off of Avengers that's how S.H.I.E.L.D. was born.
1: I love how you're, you're mentioning these names, like Joss, as in Joss. <laughs> By Joss, she means Joss Whedon, guys.
2: Or as my mom says, Josh.
1: Josh. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then, of course, Jeff is Jeff Loeb, who's the head of Marvel Television. And Jeff actually – I used to work with Jeff as, as when I was an editor – And he was my very annoying writer.
2: Did he make deadlines? Never. Never. Never made deadlines. The best part of that is that now he's the guy who has to enforce, you know, he has to enforce other people. That's what I love about it
1: is that, I mean, he probably doesn't realize like the fact that. The irony? Yeah. He does not realize irony at all. Because I'm sure he's just crabby about the fact that no one is, <laughs> is, is meeting their deadlines. And it's like, hey, man, you always used to do that to me. God, and it's not totally his fault. We worked on Ultimates together back in the day. And <gasps> him and Frank Cho and Frank, Frank took a very long time to turn something into, but was like just wrangling the two of them. Excellent. I didn't know that. So, yeah, it was uh, it was definitely a wonderful experience. So I'm sure that you have some great stories with Mr. Jeff Loeb. Oh, yeah. And I'm sure you've learned a lot. Tremendous amount. What was He's your... a master
2: pitcher. Pitcher in the sense of the performance and the selling of the pitch. He's amazing in the sense that he can sort of pull something out of the ether and just sort of vamp with it. And you're like, oh, my God, that idea is better than something I could have slaved over. <laughs> for,
1: for like weeks. Uh well it's like it I mean it is storytelling of course but yeah. it's it's a performance.
2: Yeah. And, and I yeah. think that his background from features there is that element of the teen wolf commando, the kind of summer movie action, you know, or comedy kind of mentality that he can kind of form these pitches that you're just sort of like, "Oh yeah, I'm glad you came up with that 30 seconds before we <laughs> went in." That's great. <laughs> like
1: Well, you're really great at pitching now. Now so we do a lot of we'll do a lot of sort of summits and sort of just catch-ups on what's going on and i feel like when you are talking about a show you feel like i mean you're such a nerd about it <laughs>
2: i love i love the characters i love the characters i love the world it speaks to me i think there's such a chance to tell all kinds of different stories and and the serialization of it appeals to me you know that's sort of how i got into comics well, let's talk about that. What what, what was your foray into comics?
1: Because you know so much. Like, we're sitting in a room, we're talking, and you're like, oh, yeah, that was from, like, Fantastic
2: Four number 72.
1: And I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> I, have, I, have no, I do not have that knowledge at all. Where did that the, the love of comics come from?
2: It was really a love of serialized storytelling, honestly. I was a big soap opera fan when I was a kid. Which soap operas? Uh, at some one point or another, all of them. I, I even <laughs> got to go work on them for a little bit. Oh, Um, wow. But that was sort of what appealed to me. And uh, the X Men 92 animated series, of course, which many people got got into. That's like our gospel here. Yeah, (laughs) superheroes and comics. And I think there's an aspect of melodrama and soap opera to that, especially with the whole, you know, Gambit and Rogue and Cyclops and Jean and Wolverine and all of that, that really appealed to me and uh, made my way to the comic book store, which was, you know, looking back, an interesting place, but one that I appreciate. Um, How old were you? Not to date yourself, but like... Twelve, maybe. you know, something like that. So, of course, there was like, you know, the dudes that were telling you like what to read and Mm -hmm. bringing you around the store to be like, you need to read this and this and this. Some which was good, some which was less good. But I got to read all sorts of stuff. And then, you know, from there you make your forays out into the world of all, you know, independent comics and all the rest of it. And, you know, that was also the time of like the Ultraverse. And I got into that and uh, Bravura and... Our course and legends and all the rest.
1: So, what's your like favorite comics?
2: (laughs) Marvel, (laughs) obviously. I have to. I have to kind of like stay at the home team. I always
1: admit why the last man though, because I love that series. And
2: Brian and Pia. Well, BKB. Yeah,
1: Brian Kavan is and Pia Guerra is. Yeah, yeah. they're like when there's talent there, you have to to praise it. Although Marvel talent is better and Marvel stories are better. (laughs) (laughs)
2: <laughs> yeah, I mean, in terms of, like, Marvel stuff, I do have a soft spot for the X-Men, of course, just because that's sort of what got me in the door. I'll always sort of have an affinity for for those stories and those creators. I tend to focus a little bit more on characters than story arcs, as it were. You know, like, I, I love Art Adams, and I definitely came of age in the Scott Lobdell kind of Fabian, John Byrne, that sort of era of X-Men but, you know, as we've gone on, there's been new loves. You know, I love Squirrel Girl with all my heart. <laughs> um, Ms. Marvel, Captain Marvel, of course, uh, the dearly departed um, series Hellcat. I was a big fan of that.
1: So did you think that you wanted to get into the world of comics when you were, like, you you know, you're coming out of school, where you're like, okay, I'm going to go and I, I love comics so much. I want to go join the nerddom.
2: Yeah, I think I didn't really know comics always seemed a little insular, and it was in New York, and at that time I was pursuing trying to get into soaps, <laughs> so I wasn't really sure how to break into that particular club. I was a part of, uh, I was really active online. I was in this forum called the Warren Ellis Forum. There's some really talented people that came up just batting around ideas on that forum and looking at comics critically, And but got into, I sort of ended up in the soap opera media World and eventually at Disney, which is why when Marvel was bought by Disney, I was like, "Yes, I can finally use this. I can (laughs) finally use this thing." Yeah, Yeah. I was like, "This is not completely like useless knowledge." Right. But well, that's the thing. Like growing up,
1: because what you just said is a really common phrase of people being like, "I'm no one's going to want to hire me in this world, and I can't do comics. Like, what is it?" But it is really crazy how I mean, thanks Disney, but a lot of those things had to come together for us to realize there was
2: this possibility, this opportunity. Well, I know you came in through the side door, too.
1: Oh, yes. Yeah, Yeah, I came in through. I I mean, I wasn't supposed to be in the comics industry, (laughs) let's be honest. I'm so surprised I'm here all the time. But it's like you have this love, you love these kinds of stories, and you realize it's not. Like a lot of people have this perception of the comic book world as being like too geeky or too, you know, nerdy. And it's like I I don't think you need to
2: know. People all the time... Even within, like, at Marvel TV, I don't think you have to know, like, what issue something happened or necessarily even, you know, it's nice to know your uh, creators, but who drew or Mm -hmm. wrote it. You know, I think there's um, a beauty to sort of just, like, the passion of, like, I love this story or I love this character and having that affinity to it. And I think people, you're right, feel intimidated in terms of, like, do I have to know everything? You know, no. Find what appeals to you.
1: Yeah. And a lot of the stories are so... They're so universal. And like you said, it's based on, like, the characters that you love and the people that you gravitate towards. And that's really where, I mean, I think if people look at that, there'll be a lot more people who will start reading more comics. And that's kind of, I mean, it's kind of been the intention. Yeah. And what you get to do is really introduce the mainstream world to Marvel, Mm -hmm. right? Like, comics, I understand. It's like, you know, where's the comic shop? How do you download a comic? Like, I understand that there's... Barrier to entry. Yeah, exactly. Whereas... Marvel television. Now it's like you turn on ABC, it's there. You turn on Netflix, it's there. But it is really incredible. One, to see how it's evolved from where it was. Because I remember having the conversations when Dan Buckley, the president of Marvel, walks in and he's like, "Um, We got Daredevil back. (laughs) And I was like, What? What do you mean? What do you mean? We got Daredevil back. And that was the inception of like all of our Netflix shows. The Defenders. Yeah. And that's it's so incredible to see what it was and where it is now. What is the process of creating the world of Marvel television? Like how we're deciding what's going to be on a show next, what we consider a successful television show. What is even appropriate to be
2: a television show, right? Yeah, I think there is always that question when we're starting out of just because it can, should it? There are certain things that lend themselves better to – the medium of television than others. You know, there are things that more, perhaps are more appropriate for film. There are things that are appropriate on the page. And so I think when you're taking those steps of adaptation, um, and, you know, there's all sorts of things when I say that, you know, in terms of of visual effects, of terms of like practical effects and scope of the story. And we've been, we've actually scope-wise done amazing things in terms of like, you know, we've been in space on S.H.I.E.L.D. and we've done kind of like mind control stories. I mean, so it's like, there are sort of just those considerations to take under, you know, like sometimes we choose to go forward and it'll still be great. And there's some that we've sort of said, you know, maybe we'll do that later and others that we've said, yeah, this is the right time or it's the right partner, you know, and they have an appetite for it as well. And so, you know, Defenders was, there were different versions of that show with different, different lineups that we tried and that we talked about with Dan and that we talked about with other people at the company and Joe and, uh, Thank God, Matt came back.
1: Well, what do you think? And you've been a version of either producer, co-executive producer, associate producer, all all of the different versions of producer you have been across all of our shows, and just that's like, yelling at people. Just, yeah, just well, that's the best part. of knows? What are you yeah. talking about? I love doing that, but it's like from Agents of Shield to Daredevil to Oh my God, where are all of our shows Runaways, yeah, really every show that we have. What would you say is sort of the most Two-part question, okay? (laughs) Don't be nervous. The most challenging part of this entire experience, any of the shows that you've been working on, and what would be the most gratifying?
2: I'm going to take the second part first. I think gratifying, this is going to sound like Pollyanna, which I'm most certainly not, but it is the people. It's the people that you work with. I mean, it is such a team effort, and I know that that's true in comics as well. There's all these people behind the scenes who you never see, And they're the people who really help to have it come to life. And obviously there's, you know, the writer and in TV's case, the director who, you know, are the big fancy names there. And then the actors, they're above the line. And those are the people that have such an important creative imprint on the show. But there are all the craftsmen who are behind the scenes. And in our case, it's the, you know, it's the grips and lighting and camera and makeup and hair And it's a family, you know, and like just in comics, you know, just the inkers and colorists and the people who actually have to like pre-press it and get it off to ship it and all of that. And I think um, there's a lot of names always when you see like the credit box or you see the credits on TV. I know my mom's always like, who are all these people? And it's like those are all the people that help to bring you your show. And and, uh, it's not a sexy answer necessarily, but it's the behind the scenes of it. You spend so much time. 12, 14, 16 hour days, you know, not 16 hours anymore though, (laughs) I'd like to say, but um, you're kind of killing yourself to get it out the door from the inception of, you know, just trying to get your scripts in on time and get all the notes done and address all of the notes from the separate partners and get it made physically to actually get it made on, you know, when you're on location, getting the sets built and picking out your director and picking out your actors and and all of that stuff, there's a camaraderie that's built. And I really appreciate that. And looking back, that's sort of what I remember most. It sounds like your child.
1: actually, all of the challenging
2: experiences you have are become <laughs> your gratifying
1: <laughs> experiences, am I right? Yeah,
2: I mean, you forget, you know, well, you never really forget the the challenges. But those are the hiccups where you're, I think those are the things that, uh, you know, the could have beens, you know, the things that fall through. Sometimes the changes that you have to make at the last minute. For various reasons which are kind of heartbreaking or
1: shows that you're working on that don't you know don't make it don't make it yeah oh
2: yeah I mean I loved most wanted and so I you know the fact that you know we can't share that with the world will always sort of be disappointing are you
1: living the dream job that you wanted when you were younger (laughs) or do you feel like there's something else out there
2: you know, I don't know that I thought my my job existed necessarily when I, you know, was watching Day of the Sentinels or, you know, I don't know if that, if that, I thought of that. It's a pretty rad job in the sense that it's a really fun sandbox to play in. And those are, the Marvel Universe is a, a fun set of toys. And so, you know, I, I do, I would like to do other things, you know, I I would like to continue to be creative in a more direct capacity, and and hopefully that's in my future, you know. And I love comics, so who knows? One day I'd like to be more actually in the in the production of where all of our ideas come from, which is comics. You want to write a comic book? Maybe? I'm not saying that directly.
1: Megan Tom is Bradner. Are <laughs> Son you? is putting words in my mouth. Are but... you pitching me right now? <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, I think you would be an amazing comic book writer if you. That is that actually would be great since you know our history. You're a big nerd. And you know storytelling so well.
2: In true Marvel fashion, do the Mark Wade, Denny O'Neill kind of write <laughs> direct into yeah, the comics.
1: Yeah, go backwards a little Yeah. Not backwards. Backwards but forwards, yeah. Yeah.
2: I mean, the thing I'm always very keenly aware as aware of is that all of all of what I do and what Jeff does and what we get to do comes from here, comes from the comics.
1: Amen. And Amen. I always appreciate that about you because you're always Talking about what's been done before, who's done it, like so much respect for the comics community and the comics creators community, which sometimes like it doesn't happen all the time when you're moving television Hollywood. All the
2: articles that leave out the artist's name. What I know. hell yes (laughs) like it it's just it's not that hard it's not that hard to add your co-creator's name
1: yes anyone talking about comics in general please credit the writer the artist just the people because everyone works so hard
2: on every aspect of a a comic book and it's really easy there's not that many (laughs) i I know (laughs) it doesn't seem like a high bar but it's one that we continually fail to surmount (laughs) um what inspires you to get you going,
1: to do your job, what is that that inspiration for you?
2: Or who? There is that sort of next generation that I, I really do like the prospect of bringing into this world. It's, as you pointed out, to people who think that it's not for them, who think there is a high bar or a barrier to entry. And I, I like that both on the creative side of saying, like, you may not think this is for you, but look, it's a universe. And also that the Marvel universe, but, like, comics is a medium, You know, it's not just superheroes. So it's like there's all these different things for you. If you think you don't like it, that's like thinking you don't like movies. Like I just there, there's so much out there that if you open yourself up, it might be for you. And so I I like the creative prospect of bringing people in who think or have already decided that it's not for them. And then on the behind the scenes aspect of it, I do really like the idea of bringing in talent that you wouldn't necessarily think of, and also bringing people up in terms of mentorship and bringing people inside to broaden the amount of people who are telling these stories. When I say telling these stories, not just on the writing and directing side, but um, on the crew, you know, I think that's an important place in the future that we need to look at to make sure it's inclusive.
1: How do you bring people in? What's your your process of acquiring talent?
2: Well, part of it, uh, you know, we're really lucky to work on the TV side with uh, the ABC diversity program. You know, they're a great program run by Tim McNeil. It's a program for directors and there's a separate one for writers and they're always looking for new voices. And they really dedicate themselves to a mentorship, like for the writers helping them to come up with samples. You need a sample to get in, but they'll also help you through the course of the program to really solidify your sample. And then they will pair you so that you have a chance to come into the writer's room and see how it works and you know, spend time and hopefully get a credited script and begin your journey. And then on the directing side, again, you can come in shadow and learn about how we, we have big shows with a lot of action elements and a lot of VFX elements a lot of the time. And so it's a giant production, and so to come in and sort of see from prep to the actual production to post and what that is, and there, Tim has done such an amazing job in terms of bringing together an inclusive team of directors and writers.
1: Okay, what would you say is, like, something that makes, like, a, a great – Marvel television show. Not just television show, a Marvel television show.
2: You know, we talk a lot about it as um, action adventure with the human heart. And I think the thing that people... I'm going to talk a little bit in negatives now and then come back. People get hung up, get hung up on, for lack of a better word, the spandex, the powers, the shiny part of it when it comes to the Marvel Universe and the Marvel characters is important and obviously an intrinsic part of a lot of these characters, but it's not why people... Come back. So you may show up because I'm just going to take an example uh, of for, of Spidey. You know, you may come because Peter's cool. He, can, you know, he has this webbing and he swings around the city, and you know, he has strength and he can crawl up walls and and he loves it. And that's that's awesome.
1: Like I want to do that. Yeah, exactly. But, yeah.
2: <laughs> but at the same time, it's not why you stick around. You stick around because you identify with Peter. He has the same problems. That we all have, which is like he's trying to deal with his friends and relationships and school and his Aunt May and rent and all of that. And I think we take that lesson with us whenever we are creating one of our shows. You know, you need to care about Matt. And Matt's got to have identifiable problems. And for, for him, it's that struggle with becoming the man that he told his father he wasn't going to be he solves his problems in some senses with his fists which is not a life that jack wanted for him and so at the end of the day like yes he dresses up in a really cool devil suit and beats the you know tarnation out of people um (laughs) but uh you know that's sort of not why you show up you show up for all of the sort of emotional angst and his relationship with karen and his relationship with foggy
1: what are you working on right now?
2: Nothing that I can talk about. What? It's all, is it all you know, is it ne- it's all, top, it's all secret. top secret right now. Yeah, it's all the next it's all about what's next. What haven't we done in uh, you know, our section of the Marvel Cinematic Universe? Where can we go? What are the stories that are interesting that's that's just different from from Shield and different from our street level defenders characters and our young adult characters on Freeform and Hulu? I love all of those characters. They're all close to my heart and was was there with them um, at the beginning. But I'm also interested in what's the next thing.
1: Megan, first of all, I'm very excited that you joined us. I know you think that we have not been trying to reach out to you for years, but we have. And people don't even know, like, the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. cast, like, a lot of our cast members that we end up talking to, they always show their love for Megan because she's always running around, probably, yes, yelling at people, but running around and, like, getting everything done, just getting it all done. Every time I call you, you're always, like, on a cell phone. That's right. Well, that's the L.A. (laughs) It is L.A., but you're running from, like, one set to another. Yeah. And there's always something going on in the background, and you're just, like, you know, such an accomplished woman and a really big part of Marvel. And I'm so glad that you were able to come and talk to us.
2: Well, and I want to say there are a lot of other women at Marvel Television and at Marvel Comics that are super talented. I know you've talked to a lot of them, but...
1: Absolutely. There are definitely a lot of other women. We're trying to get through all of them, (laughs) but you're a very important one. So we obviously thank you for representing (laughs) boldly. Always. And sometimes angrily. Fight the good fight. (laughs) Which you gotta. You got to hear. Represent. Well, Megan, thank you so much for your time. Thank you for having me. It was a lot of fun. And I love talking to you with um, cameras in front of our face (laughs) and mics in front of our face instead of just like regular human beings. It makes (laughs) us seem so much more professional. It's
2: very weird. But, uh, you know, (laughs) I'll talk to you anytime.
1: Thank you to Megan for finally joining us for that very
0: interesting conversation. Also, guys, we're really excited because we're going to be coming to New York Comic Con uh, in a few weeks at the Jacob Javits Center. So we will obviously be having our panel on Sunday afternoon. We'll announce the time and room soon to come. And we'll be doing a fun stage event on the Marvel stage on the con floor. So look for Sana and I to be fun and hilarious with mics. Too much pressure. Too much pressure. Just lower your expectations will be there and present. Yeah. And we'll obviously have pins and maybe some other cool swag. So uh make sure you guys are are getting passes to New York Comic Con and you're gonna come see us because it obviously we're so cool. That's it for this week. We'll see you guys in two weeks. This is Marvel. your universe